Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we thank you for the ways that you have shown your love and your care for us, the ways that you have provided for us in so many ways. And Lord, we ask that as we hear your word read and proclaimed today, God, that we would receive it as, uh, as a gift that you have given to us. It's a way that you have revealed yourself to us. It's a way that you have revealed the life that you want for us. So God, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, that you would give us minds to understand, and that you would give us hearts that are ready to be changed by you, that we would be set on you, changed from the inside out of the people that you created us to be in relationship with you through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Turning into Matthew 6. Verses 19 through 27. found on page 787 in your pew Bibles, or 1508 in the large print. It's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And our sermon text for this morning, Philippians 4, 4 through 20. And I will just warn you ahead of time, there's way more in this than we're going to be able to unpack. But we'll hit some high spots. Philippians 4, 4 through 20. And in this letter of Philippians, what we have is Paul, 
who is undergoing hardship because of his faith in Jesus. He's actually in prison in Rome because he's been preaching about Jesus. And he writes back to this church that he'd actually started. He'd had a vision from God who said, go over to Macedonia and reach the people there. And so he did, and he met some people there, and he told them about Jesus, and actually started a church there. And then he started going around in the area and planting more churches, and there are more and more believers. Well, later on, years later, he's getting in trouble for preaching about Jesus. They put him in prison in Rome. And he writes back this letter to the Philippians. They've actually sent gifts to him to help take care of his needs while he's there in prison because the Romans didn't care if the prisoners starved. It was up to family and friends to provide for them. And so the Philippians did. They heard he was in prison. They heard he was in need. They said, what can we do about it? And so they sent him uh, supplies with a guy by the name of Epaphroditus. It's fun to say. And Paul writes them back. And he lets them know that whatever the circumstances are should not change who you are in Christ and should not change what he's doing inside of you. And so uh, the verse that we had for the, the whole week this past week, one that we had on the back of our T-shirts, which I really wanted to wear today just because T-shirts are more comfortable. Um, it's so dirty. It's so dirty. <laughs> the verse of the week, whatever happens, verse 127. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. But he starts out by saying, whatever happens. So he's talking to these Philippians. He says, I don't know what's going to happen to you. I know what's happening to me. And throughout the letter he said, it's all right. What's happening to me is all right because Jesus is bigger than any of the situations I'm in. And he goes through kind of one by one and lists them off and shows how, even in this situation, Jesus has the victory. And so he says, so for you, whatever happens, whatever the situation is, this is how you conduct yourselves. But then in the end of the letter, this is what we're really talking about today. This is starting in chapter 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. That's where that whatever happens comes in. Always. It's easy to rejoice when things are going really well and to stop rejoicing when things are not going well. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Whatever the circumstances. I know what it is. Turn two pages. 
I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To God and to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh my. Any situation, every situation, whatever happens. We talked to the kids earlier about the difference between the thermometer and the thermostat and how what Paul is telling Philippians here is they are to be set with Jesus. There will be a peace and a joy to be content whatever the circumstances. And he tells us how to do that. He tells us multiple times and in multiple ways. But it all comes down to the phrase, in the Lord. It's not rejoice in your circumstances. Rejoice when things go well. It's rejoice in the Lord. And that's what it all comes down to. Is where is your focus? Where is your attention? And even when he's rejoicing because they have sent gifts... Did you notice that what he is really pointing out there is I'm not rejoicing because I was in need and now I'm not in need anymore. In fact, it's pretty clear to tell them that's not why I'm rejoicing. It's not that I was hungry and you sent me food and now I have food to eat and so I'm glad that I have food to eat. Because then the focus is still on him and what his need was. He's rejoicing in the Lord that they sent gifts. What's the difference? The difference is he's rejoicing at what God is doing in and through the Philippians. That they saw he was in need and met the need. This is very different than rejoicing that he had a need and they met the need. He's rejoicing that they saw a need and met the need. Does that make sense? And so he's not rejoicing that his needs have been met. He's rejoicing that God has turned the Philippians into need meters. That's what he's rejoicing about. The change that God is doing in their lives it thrills him. And so he says, I, re- I rejoice greatly in the Lord, but he's concerned they might be confused and think that he's just saying, I'm glad that you met my need because now I have my needs met. And, and he's afraid they might start thinking he's just asking for more. And so he goes out of his way to say, that's not what I'm saying. I have everything I need already in Jesus. But I'm thrilled for what he's doing in you. And in fact, he says at the end, God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The reason that Paul is able to rejoice in all the situations, everything that's going on, is because he firmly, firmly, firmly believes that God knows him and cares about him and loves him. And how does he know this? Because of Jesus. 
because God sent his only son. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have life. And Paul says it's because of this love that God has for me that even though I've been hungry, and even though I've been well fed, there are times where I've had everything and there's times where I've had nothing, I have found out that my joy is not determined by those things. My joy actually stays set through all of the ups and downs. And so as we you know, play this high-low game on the mission trip, we have highs and lows every day. We have highs and lows every week. I don't know what your highs were for this past week or what your lows were for this week. I don't know what they're going to be for next week. But God knows. Let us not be those who are changed on the inside by what's going on outside. But instead, be those who are changed on the inside by God, set there first. But the highs and lows going on around us will be things that then we can change and have influence over. How does this happen? Well, do you remember that place in, uh, in the Gospels where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he said, okay, guys, it's time to freak out because God doesn't know what he's doing. You remember that? Oh, wait, that's not in there, is it? He never says that. We say that to each other sometimes. We don't use those words. But you'll even see this in uh, even sometimes Christian programming of one sort or another. They say the world is falling apart, the sky is falling, and now it's time to freak out because apparently God doesn't know what he's doing. They don't use those words, but that's what they're saying. What we hear from Jesus is God knows about you, he knows about your needs, and he cares for you, and he loves you, and this world is going to go the way that he has planned from the very beginning. And Jesus is actually broken into the middle of the story so that we know that it's still going to plan the way that he's going to bring it to plan. And so what he's constantly saying is, you don't need to worry. You don't need to get all anxious and twisted and bent out of shape because of the things going on. At whatever political convention you may have watched over the last couple of weeks. Or whatever news stories have been going on that I don't even know about this week. I've been away. But I'm sure there have been some. There always are. But what Paul reminds us is the same thing that Jesus says. Do not be anxious about anything. So what do we do instead? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's taking everything that's going on around us and saying, this is not my problem. (laughs) That doesn't mean it's not a problem. And it doesn't mean there's not something I'm supposed to do about it. But it's not my problem. And that is different. Instead, what we do is we take these things that are going on around us and we say, God, I know that you care. And I know that you don't like this. And I want you to do something about it. And if that needs to come through me, show me what to do. And then, here's the beautiful thing.
saw how he says in verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That is a often quoted verse. Usually it's quoted incorrectly. The words they get right, it's just the meaning that gets uh, misconstrued. Because usually what people mean when they say, I can do all this through him who gives me strength, or I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me, is I can do whatever it is that I want to do, because I know Jesus is going to help me to do it. So I just pick something I want to do, and then I say, all right, and I can do this, because Jesus gives me the strength. That's not what Paul's saying. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any every situation, whatever the circumstances, whether I'm high or low, whether I have food or not, and I can do all this. I can be content in the middle of all the situations because of Christ who strengthens me. And so when we look at the needs of those around us, when we look at the ways that things are messed up in relationships, and in, in needs. And we turn it over to God and we say, I don't know what you're going to do about it, but if you're going to use me, show me what to do. This is where this verse comes in. Because once he shows you what to do, he's not going to say, all right, good luck with that. But in Christ, he's giving us the strength to do what it is he calls us to do. And as you look from Genesis all the way through the Bible, this is what God is constantly calling people to do, is things they can't do on their own. All right, Abraham and Sarah, time to have a baby. Um, Yeah, we can't do that. I know. I'm going to give you one. I'm going to make you into a great nation, in fact. All right, Moses, Israelites, time to cross the Red Sea. Not going to happen. Not on our own. That's right but I'm going to bring you across. Jesus to the disciples. All right, disciples, time to feed 5,000 people. We don't have the stuff. No, you don't. Bring me what you do have, and let me take care of it. And he takes it, and he gives thanks for it, and he breaks it, and he gives it back to the disciples who give it to the people. They end up doing exactly what it is that Jesus said to do, not on their own strength, but through him. Right after that, we have Peter on the boat. Sees Jesus walking on the water. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, ask me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. You notice Peter does not step out of the boat until he asks, until Jesus says, come. Because he's already learned that it is when Jesus says, do it, he'll give you the strength to do it. We can do all this. We can make it through whatever situation we find ourselves in, through whatever highs or lows we have, through whatever needs God is calling us to meet here and now this week. Becky, your back may be sore, but I have a pretty good feeling that after this last week, what all you all went through Every person involved with that knows exactly what this is about. Of God giving you the strength to do what it is that he's called you to do, to meet the needs of the people around you. And this is why Paul is rejoicing in the Lord 
that even the Philippians were sharing what they had, that they were meeting needs because they were learning this too. And he was just wanting to confirm this and reinforce it with them. That they can do everything that God calls them to do through him who gives them strength. And that God will meet all their needs. They don't need to be afraid. They don't need to be worried. They don't need uh, to freak out. They can have a peace. And they can have joy in the Lord through it all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.